Hello everyone, welcome back to the Bowtie Podcast, I'm Kevin Neal. Uh, for the next 20 minutes or so, I'm going to be joined again by Katie Bax and this week's special guest Sam Mercer, where we're going to be taking you through some recent science articles that have been in the news, also going to have some science jokes and answer some questions that have been sent in to us. Also have Katie's amazing science fact of the week. Okay, welcome Sam and Katie. Sam, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. I'm I'm Sam, uh, one of the teachers at Crestwood. Uh, really, this is the first time I've been on the podcast. Really excited. Excellent. Well, welcome. We're really happy to have you join us. And again, Katie's here. Say hi to everyone, Katie. Hello again. <laughs> okay, good. Right. So, uh, three science articles from us all this week. But before we get on to those, how's everyone's week been in lockdown? Week four. How's it been going? Is it really week four? <laughs> Yeah, I think so, isn't it? I've lost track of weeks. I think it's week four, three or four. No, it's been all right. The weather's up and down, but you know, it's holding it's holding bright. So yeah. Yeah. Done anything special this week? Nah, not really. Oh, I bought myself a flute. I think I said that on the last one. I've been learning to play a few bits on that. Oh, a bit sad, but it's something I've always wanted to do, so Awesome. Ooh. What about you, Sam? Uh yeah, we were uh, we me and the fam went off for a walk the other day and we thought we'd oh we'd different instead of our normal walk and we found this really beautiful little area just up the road all daisies and petals and it's 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 like some sort of site of preservation it's really just by the train station uh, by the train line it's really lovely um and it's really nice to see all the rainbows that the kids are painting outside on the on the on the yeah, yeah. floor with chalk and stuff so yeah doing doing all the, the times we go out are all right good good i've uh, mainly been uh, polishing and cleaning my motorcycle and car this week uh, got the tent out yesterday and camped out last night with the kids in the tent. That was uh, oh, uh, amazing. Cool and cold, but uh, Ethan loved it. I bet he did. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, Sam, you put an article for us. You're going to take us through what you got. Yeah, I sure do. This came out on the 7th of April um, and it came through from one of the um, energy company, uh, energy sort of um, statistical analysis companies in, in England. And I was super happy about this, actually. Um, it, the main, the main, the main uh, crux of it is that Britain, as of uh, Q1 2020, so Q1, for those who don't know, it's the first four months. So you divide up the, um, sorry, first three months, you divide up the year into a quarter, basically. So January, February, March, in England, in the UK, renewable energy has become Britain's main power source for the first time ever. So, oh, amazing. which is amazing it's it's um I, I won't go into the numbers and the details but largely it's because um we've had a couple of storms recently and they've helped our wind power wind turbines go around super fast and um, we've also had a massive drop in electricity in fact one of the lowest in the last sort of four or five years was this very recent sunday bank holiday um, that was the lowest UK uh, energy requirement. So all the households in England all require electricity, whatever, to power their kettle. All of the commercial industries do. But because of lockdown, everyone's at home in the sunshine. No one's using electricity anymore. So it was one of the lowest using uh, uses of electricity uh, days uh, on, on record um, the other day. So you combine those two facts together, and it means um, that in Q1, England had, I think it was something on the lines of 56% of the country's electricity was generated largely by wind turbines, um, uh, wave power and other renewable energy. Wow, That's like, pretty awesome. Isn't it? Yeah, that's amazing. 
I was super happy with that. Look, what, what I like is that there's a big push into when I was doing some research actually for, for this, um, for the podcast. Um, and we, 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 are pushing quite heavily into specifically wind generation power. And I didn't know this at all, but UK is one of the best sites in the world, not just the Europe, but the whole of the world, um, for wind power because we're in Ireland, because we have consistent wind, um, because it comes from all directions, so on and so on and so on. So it's one of the best sites for wind generation. It does look like slowly but surely, and hopefully we can keep going uh, uh, in this direction as long as the politics enable us to, when you know the government who's ever in power can keep us going this way to get better and better and be a world leader in wind generation. Well, That's that awesome. is amazing. I didn't know that either. Mm. I'm insanely shocked by the fact that actually being on lockdown, people have used less energy. Because I'm pretty sure I've yeah. used more energy. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, that's probably quite, quite shocking. You're right. A lot of it comes from, uh, they, they, they called it C and I, which is commerce and industry. So, of course, because everyone's been locked down, you know, the, the, the factories that are making cement and the factories that are making welded steel, they're all yeah. closed, which yeah. is most of the electricity power. I think home, you know, people at home running the kettle and the lights and whatever. I mean, even even leaving a um, PlayStation on all day takes less energy than boiling the kettle once or twice in the day, you know. So I think yeah, I think yeah. residential energy is not a big factor. It's mainly because all of the other no, things no, are closed. Yeah. That makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. Maybe well, if all the offices uh, in, increase the working from home thing after the lockdown, maybe we can keep the use of electricity fairly low as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah so I, I think a lot, of things, a lot of things will change as an outcome of all yeah. this. And I think one of those things, you know, people have realised actually a lot of cities, the smog has cleared in Los Angeles for the first time in like 50 yeah. years or something. Mm. Uh, animals are returning to places where they've never haven't been for generations <laughs> mm. you know kind of making us realize actually the sort of impact we're having and sort of bringing home the cold hard facts of yeah. our impact on the environment i'm, I'm always yeah. shocked Fantastic. yeah no just one last thing i'm always shocked what you're saying there um kev about the um uh what we've done to the environment you see pictures online of uh, you know here i live in la and all the smog's cleared or i live in i live in beijing and all the smog's cleared and i can suddenly see Apparently, a load of people in India are being shocked um, in some of the very built-up cities in India. They can actually see the mountain range in, in, in India, which has been, you know, completely blocked off for the last however many years, sort of thing. Yeah, Wasn't there a village in Wales as well that has been invaded, if you like, by the goats or something? They've come down from the mountains? <laughs> awesome. I'm sure I read that. Yeah, that's cool. There's lots of stuff online of, of all sorts of animals suddenly yeah. appearing in places I haven't been because there's no people out to scare them away. That's right. That's right. I'm actually personally, I'm seeing a lot more like different birds outside, robins and blue tits and things that I wouldn't normally see like years yeah. before. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of robins actually, not more than normal. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you very much, Sam. Yeah, really no interesting worries. article. And hopefully that can continue long term and mm. we can see a big turnaround with this. Cool. Uh, Katie, what have you got for us? Uh, so mine is a combination of science and technology and how amazing it is. And actually, it sort of links to Sam's article, because uh, obviously with the use of electricity, we at the moment uh, do still use a fair amount of fossil fuels, which releases a lot of CO2 into the atmosphere. Uh, but my article today is from Science Daily, and it features the University of California in Berkeley. And it was also featured in the journal Jewel. 
uh, because Professor Yang there and his team have created a biohybrid system of bacteria and nanowires to remove CO2 from the atmosphere. More importantly, it's more effective, sorry, more efficient than how plants do it. Wow. So going back a little bit. I know. So going back a little bit, a biohybrid is something that's made from biological material, in this case, bacteria, and a non-living component, in this case, the silicon nanowire. And a nanowire is an extremely thin wire of uh, silicone that is one hundredth the width of a human hair. And it's used as an electrical component. So it works much like photosynthesis. The bacteria takes in CO2 and water from the atmosphere and the nanowires absorb energy from the sunlight and generates electrons like a mini solar panel, basically, and gives that energy to the bacteria. The bacteria can then convert the CO2 and water into O2, uh, oxygen and acetates, which is essentially uh, acetic acid or vinegar. And acetate can then be used to make things like plastic or building blocks for other chemicals like fuels, for example, which is pretty good. But it's not as um, it's not as simple as that. It's even more awesome because uh, this advancement could actually help with the CO2 crisis here on Earth, because, um, as you know, it, there's extra CO2 in the atmosphere can cause no end of issues, including the coral bleaching that I spoke about in episode one. Uh, and it could help because the process is 3.6% efficient. Now, that doesn't really sound amazing, does it? 3.6%. But most plants only have an efficiency of less than half a percent. Wow. So you can hear its potential and it can help clear the CO2 faster than just plants alone. Mm, that's cool. I know. That's really, really nice. But yeah. there's even more because uh, Mars's atmosphere is 95% CO2. So this system could actually help to terraform uh, Mars's atmosphere using the water that's frozen beneath the surface. Because one of the potential issues of getting uh, all the equipment up to terraform Mars in the first place is the initial weight of the equipment. But this is just bacteria and nanowires less than the width of a human hair. So it's really, really light to transport. And it's got so much attention that NASA has actually given a grant for further research into all of this. Wow. So, so you're well, telling, really so you telling me that that one device or, 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 or research um, can basically poten has the potential to help solve global warming and help us help me go and start, uh, start a house on Mars. I mean, yes. where do I sign up? <laughs> help you obviously it won't uh, do it all unfortunately uh, and they're still working out a few of the kinks because obviously with the acetic acid that's um, produced it affects the ph of the bacteria and then the uh, bacteria basically die off so they're trying to still work out the kinks within this uh, bacteria forest uh, but it's very very exciting stuff it's so much more efficient than plants alone so wow. it's got a lot of potential cool I see. I see in the article uh, it's talks about the, the scientist is also working on basically producing artificial photosynthesis to make food as well to produce sugars, which yes. which would provide which would provide food as well for the Mars colonists. Yep. So two in one for that, really. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mars could be closer than we think. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. Really interesting stuff. Right, I've got a story this week, and I always tend to head down a, a fossils paleontology route. And uh, this week, this was a big story that broke this week. Uh, now, for those of you who are aware, and for those who aren't, uh, Katie and I have numerous times visited the Large Hadron Collider, 
Love in uh, CERN in Geneva. We've, been, we've taken students there uh, four, four times. And um, p- particle accelerators are very in size, and there are a number of them around the world. Uh, Large Hadron Collider is currently the world's biggest. But there are other um, particle accelerators uh, around the world, including some in France. Uh, and one of them in particular has been used by a group of paleontologists to basically x-ray inside um, fossilised dinosaur eggs. Awesome. Now, f- 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 there are lots of uh, examples of, of dinosaur eggs uh, out there. They're, they're actually surprisingly common. Um, calcium carbonate, which makes up the, the shell, um, is, is readily fossilised. So they, they get quite well preserved. But actually trying to study what's inside them is really, really, really difficult. So what this team have done is they've used a particle accelerator to uh, basically create high-energy X-ray beams. So they've accelerated um, electrons close to the speed of light. And when electrons travel at that speed, they begin to emit high-power X-rays. And they uh, beam those X-rays at uh, these fossilised eggs. This is called synchrotron X-ray imaging. And the detail was provided by this imaging was so insane, so fine, that they were able to see individual bone cells of the embryos inside the uh, Uh eggs. Yeah, so previously this has all been done with like a CT scanner Mm -hmm. uh, and and the the detail has been not that great really and it's been hard to um, really get any useful information. But this this is uh, the 100 billion times brighter than a hospital x-ray source mm, wow so they've been they've been able to see all kinds of detail they've been, been able to reconstruct do 3d reconstructions of the skulls of the embryos inside giving these scientists a really great insight into the early life and development of, of dinosaurs stuff that we've never had access to before mm. the eggs that the eggs that they um they scanned were first discovered in 1976 in south africa and there were six eggs uh, and uh, they, they contained a dinosaur species, a, a bipedal herbivore from the early Jurassic period, around 200 million years ago. And this species, when fully grown, would be about five metres um, or 16 feet long. Wow. But the embryos themselves were tiny. They were only two cent. The skulls of the embryos were only two centimetres, and the teeth were about a millimetre in size. Oh. Um, so, yeah, the, they were about 60% developed when they became fossilised. The, these embryos they never quite made it to full development before they were sadly killed um so yeah incredible so this has really opened up uh, a whole new um e- era of understanding the development of dinosaurs prior to their uh, hatching uh, with this amazing particle accelerator technology so yeah i was really impressed that well because we've, we've always looked at particle accelerators as as a kind of physics thing studying you know, uh, the quarks and, and Higgs bosons and, and all that kind mm. of stuff. And, you know, but this is a use in, in paleontology and biology. So, yeah, really, really incredible stuff. And, that's fascinating. And presumably it's non, what do you call it, non-invasive, like it doesn't damage the eggs It's because it's an eggs. No, 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 nothing. No, they're still there. And, and it, gives them, it gives them ability to create complete 3D models of, of what's inside. Wow. Awesome. And you say that uh, the fossilised eggs are actually like, uh, fairly common now that they've got yeah, great yeah. results with this do you reckon they'll do more i would imagine so i think i think it depends on the eggs i guess and and kind of like how well preserved they are and and how developed the embryos are because if they were too 
premature, too early in their development. I imagine they'd be too tiny to see anything. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure they would start using this a lot more. But again, I mean, for, for your average paleontologist, getting getting to a particle accelerator, I imagine, is quite yes. quite tricky. <laughs> and, I imagine it's quite an expensive thing to do. I mean, you you need to have a considerable budget yeah. to be able to do it. <laughs> but the results are clearly um, pretty damn impressive. Yeah, awesome. Okay. And it's, it's, sorry. It's, right. Sorry. Go on. Go on. <laughs> Oh, oh, I was going to say, straight. it's eight o'clock. I just want to let it's eight o'clock, and um, I just heard some strange noises outside. And of course, everyone's outside uh, applauding the, the services. Yeah, so oh, of course. Shall we, shall we do some uh, applauding? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, Woo! The amazing NHS. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Right. So uh, it's time for science joke of the week. <laughs> Or jokes of the week. Uh, so here we go. Uh, these are particularly awful, <laughs> I have to say. Right, so... Um, okay. What, what do you do with a sick scientist? Well, if you can't helium and you can't curium, uh, you might as well bury them. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like it. Okay, but, okay, oh, okay. my God. <laughs> Okay, and um, right. This one's a little bit more of a mass one, I suppose. Uh, what did the thirty-degree angle say to the ninety-degree angle? Go on. You think you're always right. <laughs> <laughs> I like these. These are cool. Okay. Yeah, all right. Uh, <laughs> okay, so um, we've had some questions come in from uh, a student. Uh, two questions. Uh, and uh, these questions have come from Lauren, if I remember correctly. Yep, Lauren Bridgman. Oh, hey, Lauren. And, Hope you're doing uh, well. <laughs> uh, uh, yep, she's going to be listening in to hear the yeah. answers to these. And she, Katie's got the first question. So, Katie, do you want to read out the question and then give your answer? Absolutely. I really like this one. Uh, so, she asks, What will happen to the tides if the moon leaves the Earth's orbit? Wow. Very interesting question. Yeah, I know. Yeah, great question. Uh, so, I wonder if it actually came from the article that you did uh, a couple of episodes ago, Kev, because you were talking about the days uh, being shorter. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's all part of well, part to do with the tides and everything uh so i did a little bit more research into it because while i thought i knew the answer i just wanted to make sure that it was really really clear so uh eventually the moon is actually going to leave the earth's orbit it is moving away from us very very slowly so in billions of years time this could actually be a reality so it's always good to know uh when the moon was first formed it was only about uh 22,500 kilometers away but it's now 402,336 kilometers away so it is moving away but fairly slowly anyway i digress so the tides uh the tides on earth are created by the moon's gravitational pull but that's that's not the only thing that creates the tides the sun uh also creates some tides as well so if the moon disappeared we will still have tidal movement but it will be much much slower in fact it will only be about a third of the current fluctuation so there will still be tides but much slower and that will unfortunately cause drastic changes to coastal ecosystems and all sorts of things but you'd still be able to surf so you know <laughs> okay 
Cool. Well, really, really good. Thank you, Katie. And Lauren's second question, which I'm going to pick up, is why does Earth have a breathable atmosphere but no other known planets do? That's, again, a really, really good question. Um, I, I suppose, first off, I need to talk breathable. as uh, quite a broad term. I mean, Earth has an atmosphere that's breathable to yeah. us, to, to animals. Yeah. But there may be planets out there where life has evolved, where they don't need to breathe oxygen like we do. So breathable is quite a broad term. But Earth has a breathable atmosphere for us, for animals, because of basically the evolution of plants. Plants evolved um, about 400 odd million years ago and began to carry out a process called photosynthesis. Now, photosynthesis gives off oxygen as a waste product, and that oxygen slowly built up into the atmosphere. Initially, that oxygen bound, uh, binded to uh, iron uh, to make iron oxide, and that formed some rock formations. But once that was done, that, it began to build up in the atmosphere. And that atmos then that, our atmosphere became oxygen-rich, and that allowed animals to evolve that could use that oxygen, hence the evolution of animals. Uh, oxygen levels actually really got a lot higher than they are now. In the Carboniferous period, oxygen levels were up to about 40%, which led to a lot of spontaneous fires, and um, a lot, uh, but huge, huge growth of, of animals. There were insects, there were dragonflies with wingspans of about two metres. Wow. Uh, uh, centipedes centipedes about half a meter wide and three meters long you know these type of things so um because the oxygen level was so high but at the moment oxygen levels are back down to about 21 percent so um basically we've got basically the evolution of life to thank for having earth having a beautiful atmosphere so if there are other planets out there that have evolved life or maybe they've evolved to use oxygen or maybe they've evolved to be something else we don't know you know there are uh, evolution of life is very complex and it can take many routes but maybe there are other planets that have been worked but we just haven't found them yet so hopefully that's answered your questions lauren and thank you very much for those and if anyone else has any questions feel free to email them in or post them on our new instagram page which i'll talk about in a awesome. bit wait amazing science fact of the week Okay, Katie, fact of the week, awesome. please. Right, this is a new fact. As a matter of fact, it's from uh, matter of fact, uh, it's from February this year because scientists have created a yarn, a thread from human skin cells. How cool! Is wow. that? I know. I can already hear some people cringing and saying, "But it's not for clothes, so it's okay. It's for surgery." So the um. The whole point of them developing this is so that the new yarn could be used uh, to replace the nylon threads used for stitches and it will reduce the risk of infection and rejection. Uh, but it can also be used to sew uh, tissue grafts, to make pouches, tubes, valves, all sorts of medical uses, which will then aid in the healing. So you can heal in just about two weeks as opposed to the approximate three months that it currently takes. Amazing wow. stuff. That's Personally, really, I'm really liking yeah. the thought of people uh, one day crocheting with a skin graft. <laughs> we could get we could get our technician Tanya to do it. She, she's That's always exactly what I was thinking. Pictures Tanya there with a nice, great big long bit of skin and just sewing it all up. It'd be funny. <laughs> but yeah, that's my Lovely. fact. 
Brilliant. Thank you very much, Katie. So, uh, Sam, what have you been watching, playing? How have you been uh, entertaining yourself so, this last week? Sure. So, so I'm a massive gamer. Most of my um, most of my time, free time, is on games. And normally it's the PC. I've got a Switch, PlayStation as well, but normally PC. So I've actually been playing quite a lot of, um, there's a zombie game called Seven Days to Die. Um, and I actually play <gasps> it with two, with two friends that. of mine. Yeah, that's that cool. Is. I play it with two friends of mine. Um their names are uh, Benji and Dave, and they're just my my, my friends um, who, who live in, around Southampton. I've known them for a while. And because we can't see each other, well, we used to meet up on Friday and play Dungeons and & Dragons and board games together. Uh, it's just something we always did, but we can't do that at the moment. So we're instead shifted to uh, online. So most nights, actually now, which is lovely, and the three of us just get together and just, you know, uh, build little bases and make drawbridges and, you know, Try and craft bows out of wood and what what have you at the moment. And we're really enjoying it. Actually, it's a really nice way to to, to keep keep social and keep up the contact. Awesome! That sounds amazing. What about you, Katie? Uh, I've been kept keeping up with my skills that I'm trying to help myself with. So I'm uh, still still keeping up with my French. I'm on day twenty. I managed to keep my streak on Duolingo. Uh, been playing my flute been walking poppy and generally cleaning the house my house has never been cleaner and it's lovely <laughs> and then the boys come down and make uh, crumbs how are you getting and on? it annoys me how are you getting on with luigi's mansion uh, katie yeah uh, it's frustrating <laughs> <laughs> it's such an easy game but there are bits where i just get really frustrated like the guigi just walking <laughs> on a tiny patch of water and they're just disappearing it's oh it's annoying <laughs> Well, I, I uh, gave in and I, I've been holding off for a while because I thought it might be a bit too much of a task for me to play through, but I got Red Dead Redemption oh, 2. For the, uh, How is it? How is it? Uh, yeah, for, it's so good. I haven't finished yet. I'm, I'm only a fraction of the way in it. I only get to play it a little bit each evening, but uh, it's, it's phenomenal. It's it's just It feels like mm. you're really in a, in the Wild West or watching the Wild playing a Wild West oh, movie. Cool. It's, it's, it's top core. The graphics are really good in it um, well, aren't they? Yeah, yeah they are. Uh, uh, especially on like a 4K TV thing, like the PlayStation yeah. Pro, it just the, the snow yeah. effects. It's like nothing I've ever seen. It's incredible. Have you managed um, to stay away from any spoilers? I, you don't know the storyline. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't. No, and, I, and also because I didn't oh, play much. the first one, I like I, I feel like I'm a bit lacking in in the the background story. Yeah. But I'll pick it up as I go. I also have I have and I, I'm just starting it. Is I've signed up to an uh, online diploma course in. Uh, Norse mythology. So learning about Odin wow. and Thor and Frigg and and Freya and all those things. And uh, yeah, so I'm doing oh, a bit of reading and I've got That's assessments cool. to take and stuff. So so hopefully by the end of this, I'll have a diploma wow. in Norse mythology as well. I read, I read the book by Neil Gaiman, <laughs> American Gods, and that really got me going into into yes. Norse mythology. It sounds so cool, man. He's actually got a, a book out at the moment about Norse mythology where he tells the stories of, of Odin and Thor. And, and there's an audio book where, which was done by BBC oh, wow. Radio 4 uh, as, a, as an actual like play, like a story. They, they had characters and things mm. that you know, played it out Ooh. on radio play. So that's nice. worth checking out. Okay, right. 
before we go, I just want to plug. I've set up a new Instagram page for our podcast. To, uh, so each week I will post the links to all the articles that we've been talking about on this Instagram page and also post um, uh, questions and, and thoughts and uh, polls and things like that on there each week to give us stuff to talk about. So uh, feel free, everyone listening, to head uh, just search for the Bowtie podcast on Instagram. You'll see it's got a, a Bowtie, Doctor Who Bowtie image as, as its profile picture. And I'm going to put something up there this week about um, if you if you're quarantined uh, on a on an island with with one DVD player, what five Marvel movies <laughs> would you take with you? So maybe have a have a think about that, and um, we'll, we'll talk about that next time or post your uh, response on the instagram page so yeah the bowtie podcast on instagram check it out guys uh i'll say a big thank you to sam for joining us this week thank you for sam and thanks again to katie and hopefully stay safe everyone bye Well, thank you for joining us on this week's Bowtie Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening and found the stuff we've talked about interesting and useful. Feel free to check out the Instagram page, post anything on there, like questions you want us to answer, and obviously I'll be posting things on there for you to respond to. Stay home, stay safe, stay well, take care.